Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer, Bourbon, and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 39. Oh, yeah. Today we're going to be reviewing Angel, um, I'm sorry, Alita. <laughs> yes, that's Alita, Battle, Alita Angel, Battle Angel, and Greta. And welcome back, Alex. Yeah, thank welcome you. back. Thank you. Thanks, wow. thank you. <laughs> so, Tawana, what are we going to be drinking today? Well, because of Alita, I want to keep it thematic as I do. Yeah. Um, I pick uh, one of my favorites, Sapporo Premium. Okay. Straight out of uh, Sabuyaku, Tokyo, Japan. Oh, nice. I think I got that right. 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 Nice. That's, that's pretty good. Bruden, Bruden, uh, Tokyo. Bruden, Tokyo. But the historic homeland oh. is the city of Sapporo, Sapporo in Hokkaido. Is it in Hokkaido? So what's Sabuyaku? Cool. That's just a that's just a neighborhood in Tokyo. Oh. That's where it gets brewed. Oh, I see. It's kind of like we have you like your craft home, right? Of the brew, um, but yeah. Uh, and Alex would know this because he just came back. Yes, I did. I was in Japan for two weeks. I was in Sapporo, yeah. up in the far north, the uh, the famous um, winter festival up there, ice festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I went skiing for a few days. Yes, we saw in Niseko. Yeah. <laughs> My stories were lit. Vaughn got his, sick of them. His Instagram uh, stories were lit. They, I got sick of them too. Okay. Yeah, and then there I was went, literally one every I was hour. Like, Snow. Snow, snow, right. I'm done. I just felt like <laughs> Oh, really? Cold. You mean like waist deep powder? I was like. Beautiful yeah. views. Yeah, we're I black. We don't care about snow like that. I didn't know what was going on. Was like <laughs> and we're New Yorkers, fish. so we're not impressed right, by snow. Right, Raw fish and snow. So it was really snow. just kind of like. Yeah, raw fish and snow. I did appreciate the bars, though. The bars are great. The oh bars were good and the ice sculptures. I did appreciate Oh, those. my God. The bars were amazing. Went to this one place in Kyoto. Very hard to find. Jen only knew about it because some friend of hers at the UN fucking had been to this place before. Right. Mm-hmm. And down in, literally behind someone's house in a suburban neighborhood down an alleyway. And you walk in, it's totally dark. There's just like one light that covers the bartender. He's got a handful of drinks behind him. Right. And you go in and you tell him flavor profiles. Flavor profiles. Like yeah. I want tart. Right. I want brown liquor. I want bitter. I want bitter, brown Full body, and he just makes a drink. Wow! And it's just a flat fee of around fifteen dollars a cocktail. That's great. That's fantastic. And, and that's make, how you order. And that's how you order. Wow! And he was very curious how we knew about it because it's kind of like a Kyoto kind yeah, of insiders little, little joint, little neighborhood joint. Yeah, we went to another place which just did tasting menu cocktails in Tokyo. Okay. Um and. That was a little more kind of shopped around, like New York people tend to know about that this other place. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was also kind of like, "How did you find out about us?" It? It's just word of mouth. So yeah, f- fantastic drinks. And what I was went- the name of the place? Oh, I can't uh, remember. Uh, what the? F- we I can't remember. I don't, that. Well, they don't have fucking the signs. Uh, uh, but, uh, the one in Kyoto, which is probably the most most memorable, because mm. it was like so low key. Yeah. That's called Bar Bunkyu. Okay. B u n k y u. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Bar and you can find it on a map. You just have to fucking know what you're looking there for. There was one that had like a triangle shaped roof. 
and seemed dimly lit. Is that the secret spot? Quite possibly. Was well, all wood in the front? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was it. it. Snowy um, ass ground. Just. Yep. Full, it looked like you found. The oh no no no! That is a, that wall. was a place called Bar Odin in oh, Niseko. Yeah. That was in the ski town. That was. That's it. where I had the eighteen dollar bottle oh. of fucking Tokyo Vice beer. Oh. <laughs> the craft of the craft. I <clears> love a good <throat> rice beer. Yeah, I know. I I thought of you about that. That that was awesome. Th- those places were fantastic. Um, and in Tokyo though, I went to the Tokyo Whiskey Library. Mm. Nice. So I thought that you'd really like that one. Yes, I would have. Um, and what I loved about how they served liquor in Japan was when you order a drink and there's another place that was like a smaller whiskey library in Kyoto right. which was fucking fantastic that's where I had all the hit, the um, the coffee grain mm-hmm. yeah the Nika uh, yeah the Nika yeah the Nika um, I saw that love some Hibiki I had a Hibiki 17 year which is almost extinct right. by the way Japanese wow. Japanese liquors go extinct right Um. The, yeah because I don't know I mean you, you think I guess you always think there's like a new 17 year that will come out right because right. every year is another 17 years but they just when they make a batch mm. that's the 17 year batch the 17 year batch could end up being 50 years old if you hold on to it long enough wow. but habiki 17 it's one and done yeah wow because then they'll make another they will make another 17 but it's uh-huh. going to be a totally different i thing. didn't know that yeah it was fascinating so then they, they were always like putting bottles that when you ask for a drink they put the bottle out they serve like they really serve it to they you. They really serve it in person. It's almost like a tea ceremony. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's elements of that. That's what I was gonna say. They're all about presentation and presentation's fucking massive. Right. And when you finish at a bar, um, either the bartender or the hostess that actually hosted you, right, follows you out and fucking bows to you until you are out of eyesight. Wow. Every place we went. That's fantastic. Every place we There's went. something to be said about Craft. tradition. Craft and tradition. Yeah. I, loved it. I loved it. It was fantastic. I'm glad you had such a good so, trip. Anywho. Well, anywho. I'm going to segue into some wait, wait, wait. We, 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 haven't, we haven't discussed the Sapporo part. Yet. Oh, we got to yeah, get yeah. to Sapporo. So, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I was I so mean, Alex, distracted no, by Alex The one day I was in Alex Sapporo, by the way, right. I was going to go to the Sapporo original fucking brewery. Okay. Because I was only there for a day before I fucking skipped down to the mountain. Right. Um, na- the Literally the national day of the emperor. Okay. The emperor ascending to the throne. Okay. Uh, and it was fucking close. That's oh. cool. That's oh, you'll be back. <laughs> Only your luck. You'll be back. And you like, went you to fuck- like a million other places. Yeah, so it's okay. But still, I like I love Sapporo beer. I've been drinking I it love Sapporo for a fucking long ass time. It's very popular in New Zealand. I thought, shit, I'm going to go to Is the original it? brewery. It's uh, very popular. Asia Pacific. Why do you think I can speak Japanese? Uh, that's true. You did say that. That shit's in our culture, you know? That was very helpful. My shitty Japanese was very helpful, by Which the way. Which is why you're so excited about Lita. Yes. <laughs> so excited about Lita. Anyway. All right, so anyway. we'll start We'll start off with uh, a little bit of tradition about mm-hmm. the Sapporo, right? Okay. Um, Sapporo is the oldest brand of beer in Japan, founded in 1876. And the legend of their beer began with the adventurous spirit of Sibi Naka, Nakagawa. Japan's yep. first German trained brewmaster. There you go. There you go. So the Germans, interesting bit of history there. Yeah. So when the Japanese opened themselves up to Europeans in the 1800s. <laughs> Mistake they wish they didn't do. Probably. Fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but that was obviously, that's kind of the whole film, The Last Samurai. 
right? Right. Which those kinds of, so that movie is not obviously historically accurate. No, it's not. But <laughs> that type of thing happening, did th- those events did take place. It was just like different white people. It was actually French white people, not mm. Americans. Um, and does it Tom matter? Cruise does it matter? Do it. Does it matter where they come from? No, so, just... so it was like, so the shoguns ruled Japan for hundreds of years. Right. And then the emperor basically was like, I want to be in charge again. Okay. Um, and so you had the Meiji Restoration. It's the restoration of the empire okay. to ruling Japan. And that then the sense. shoguns, who were just like these kind of, the, it was like the king, a king, if you will, but they were like the top warlord. Yes, okay. that makes sense. Yeah. And so you had the Tokugawa shogunate. And uh, when the Meiji emperor, who was seen as a god, was sort of seen to say, okay, oh, shit. I, I right. mean, we could have been fine with it, but All right. you made a big <laughs> Sorry, Tawana just spilled <laughs> a ton of water. But we could have been fine with it. Anyway. So while I just give this brief history lesson, yes. which is going to have to become a slightly longer history lesson. <laughs> um, so yeah, as the Meiji emperor was ascending to the throne, um, there were a lot of war. There were some battles that took place. Um, and you had shogun, uh, you had uh, daimyo who were essentially mini shogun in their own districts. Some sided with the shogun, some sided with the emperor. Um, but there was an initial little battle and some wars and the emperor took power. And then a couple of years later, basically in the 1870s, um, because of the rapid onset of westernization and the emperor wanted to westernize, okay, right? And that's what the restoration, it's not just the restoration of the empire, but it's the restoration of Japan being a country that's formidable on the international stage. Um and so it was during the second round where a lot of the daimyo that supported the emperor initially felt, look, things are changing too rapidly. We're losing everything that makes us Japanese. We're not happy about this. And so they, so additional samurai ended up rebelling. And that's how you had battles okay. um, kind of in the 1870s last samurai. And so the emperor was, everything Western was being taken on by the emperor. Right. And so they had Western sense. clothes. They had rail coming in. I mean, it was just massive. Within 30, 40 years, they went from having no Western technology to being packed full of Western technology, changing their clothes, everything, right? Gentrification? Um, well, I mean, Ish. Japan, I mean, not, yeah, I mean, it's Japan was already a pretty somewhat wealthy country, so it's not like people getting pushed out. It was just Westernization rather than gentrification. Right. Um, Anyway, and so then what happened is they had French mercenaries who were training the emperor's army um, how to do Western-style combat, and a bunch of those mercenaries ended up switching to the shogun side in the second round of battles up in up near Sapporo, by the way. Okay. Uh, in a place called Hakodate, which is in the, the southernmost city in Hokkaido. Um, and at the end of the battle, when they were defeated... They were allowed, I don't know if they were allowed or if they escaped, but they escaped to some French warships that were hanging off on the coast and they managed to escape back to France. Um, but the last samurai was in fact, um, I can't remember his name, but he was a member of the Shinsengumi and they were a secret police force that the emperor actually used. So he was a samurai himself, but he decided to align himself with the emperor and he ran a special unit of samurai who wore Western clothes um, but they fought in a traditional manner with sword and that kind of stuff. So the actual last samurai was the head of the Shinsengumi. Um, and that perfectly ties off the story as the Tawana is back. I'm back. At her seat. Yes. That was quick. That was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, but it was quick. And 
I think it's great because it ties in your whole trip. Mm. Plus, it gave people a nice bit of history. And I think if you're mm. genuinely a fan of beer yep. and a little history. Sapporo plays a part in that. That so. was hella interesting. Mm. No, it does play a good part. I think um, we'll just go into the beer review. Okay, so uh, Sapporo is a bit of a macro brewery. And eh, sometimes from time to time, I think I could throw in a little bit of an APV. What do you think? Um, so it's like 47 to uh, 5%, depending okay. on the market. Um, it's got a really lush use of uh, aroma hops. Uh, Sapporo Premium has an amazing crisp taste, really refreshing flavor, and a slight bit of refined uh, bitterness that uh, leaves a bit of a clean finish, which is why it's a, it's a, it's a little bit dry, but not super dry. Yeah. Um, so I like it a lot. I like it a lot. It gives it. It's. It's there. It, it goes on the palate really well, and so. And the cans don't. Yeah, and I mean whether you find it in the uh, the typical silver can that is long loved by like, I guess American fans and and Japanese and New Zealand alike, mm-hmm. the world alike. Um, they also have it in bottles and taps and whatever. However, you can find it in wherever you are. I think Sapporo Premium can be enjoyed on any occasion, and it's a pretty decent beer. Very nice. Love and it. now that I know the hugely historic context, yeah. I respect it even more. There you Absolutely. Go. Yeah. Actually, my own little histor- historical context. Mm-hmm. So I never knew anything about Sapporo because mm-hmm. I was this American girl drinking whatever the hell her grandfather drank. But my dad was more discerning in his beer tastes, and he was the first one to give me a taste of Sapporo. Oh, cool. How long ago? I was a kid. I was yeah. like, uh... Anybody called DSS? No, I was in my teens. <laughs> 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 no, I was in my teens. So, I mean, I guess they could have, but fuck it. If they did, I wouldn't be here today. Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, if it wasn't for my dad, I'd be like beerless. So, an important thing to note is there is a version of Sapporo that's not available for export. Oh, I'm sure. This and, is Japanese and they're serious. And the Sapporo logo is on um, a plane very heavyweight aluminum can that's uh it's like a tall can it's like a half liter mm-hmm. like a full pint um silver and the logo's yellow with kind of the wheat wreath around it and then the black text black and red text with the yellow star right uh in japan it's a <coughs> yellow it's it's a blue and gold star okay and it's like sapporo like it's called like sapporo number one or something like that okay i can't quite exactly remember but it's more like blue and gold um and the whole logo set on that right. star and that's yeah but and that's like this is still good but there's something that's just fresher and a bit crisper right about the one that i had um poured draft over there so there is a different one well you if know you're lucky enough to try it if you from go time to time i've been looking around at a lot of different like um bars breweries and so for time to time if they're difficult play difficult beers to find I've been looking into like getting growlers mm, mm-hmm. so I can just bring it in and just like we can like community taste, mm-hmm. do you know? So we'll do that from time to time. Just That's try a good and idea. Sure, get, get a little extra kick besides what we could regularly find in the stores. Oh, of course. So Vaughn, what are you drinking? Because um, it has completely cured my asthma. <laughs> and half the bottle's gone. Yeah. And um, typical yeah, for us. I don't know if I'm going yeah. back to my doctor. I, mean, I have to say, <laughs> go back to doctor. Um, I'm also bringing about a little bit of tradition here too. I'm drinking Elijah Craig, small batch 
bourbon from Kentucky. It's amazing. And it is it is fantastic. It's um, anywhere between 8 and 12 years old because they had to take away the designation of 12-year-old because it could be the 8-year-old batch. Is it, but a anyway, bl- is it a blend or what? It's not a blend. It's just uh, they had to take away it because they couldn't certify it. Most bourbons are certified with a certain age. How could they not certify it? it it's a long story. There's a whole litany about oh, it really? in bourbon lore. That's interesting. But nine times out of ten, you're drinking a 12-year-old batch of small batch Elijah Craig. So it's nice, obviously. Very good. 94 proof, and it's 100% 94 <laughs> proof. 94 proof. Holy 94 shit. proof. That's it's, 94 proof? Yes, it is no 94 proof. No wonder I feel great. It is named <laughs> after the Reverend Elijah Craig. Who created this bourbon back in 1789 in Kentucky? And Kentucky wasn't even a state until 1792. So you got to think about how old this is and how tasty it is, and why why it's helping Tawana and her illness. And, and Alex is a little under under the weather yeah, too. Yeah, I was going to say Alex is was because sick too. For years and years and years, bourbon was used medicinally. It was. So pharmacists would actually sell bourbon to people trying right. to get over whatever illnesses they had. But in reality, they were just getting drunk. But that's nice. <laughs> as long as they felt better and, and we're I good mean, with it. Th- I mean, this because like Jen's family is Mexican um, and I mean, she'll still to this day because her grandmother's actually a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have a little tequila. Absolutely. When they're feeling on water. Yeah, tequila's and like... Purely because it... One, the fact that it comes from the agave. It is considered... The, it's the healthiest of yeah. the liquors because agave is so good for you. Yes, it um, is. But second, this... And this is really true for all alcohols. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a little alcohol in moderation, then the alcohol will yeah. cleanse out bacteria. It will. Yes. So depending on what you've got, it And I mean, help. I grew up in the South, and, and my grandmother was, was always about having a little hot toddy or some little bourbon concoction. It was always a bourbon or a whiskey of some sort in like a jar with honey and lemons, and it would sit there all winter. And she would just let us sip a little bit of it at night, and we'd go to bed, and we'd wrap up, and we woke up just feeling just better. Ooh. But you sweat every single toxin yeah, out of did, your system. You did every single time. And they just put a time. little bit. They just gave you a little. And it was so it's honey and lemon, like pickled in. Yes, in, in bourbon, in some kind yeah. of whiskey. Because today I've been drinking mm. green tea with honey, and then a little bit of bourbon. Mm. Well, not a little bit, y'all. <laughs> just enough. She's definitely feeling better. Than I'm when feeling we, when like we got here to shoot to record today. Five times yeah. better. Ten. So times yeah, better. like I said, I, this is one of my. It's actually one of my favorites. Everybody knows I'm a Bullet fan and, and 100%, but mm. Elijah Craig, I'm enjoying and I enjoy it because it, it gives me that full body taste and I, right. it's just that the notes are wonderful. You get that that oak barrel taste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's pure Kentucky bourbon and everybody knows I love my Kentucky bourbon. You do. I'm, I'm trying to find other states that do it just as well, but. I mean, if you know, if anyone out there is listening to this and you know a better state, it. please share Please share it, and like I said, I wanna, I wanna, I'm, I'm exploring all the others that we're gonna have, but it's just there's something about Kentucky that brings this bourbon to life, and I, I want us to actually do a show there one day. We we're should. actually gonna go to Kentucky. Well, we said we were gonna go down south, period, like uh, South Carolina and maybe Georgia. Too. Georgia. Try, try it out. Kentucky but like I said, I think it's good when you when you're looking for bourbons, and you want to try something different. Try the different ones to find that that taste that works for your palate, and it. 
that meets your needs because it's it's not one for everybody. There's always something I would recommend having this in like an old fashioned or a Manhattan cocktail mm-hmm. or just sipping it neat like I'm doing today. And uh, if I you're would, a punk like Tawana, you could throw it in some hot tea. She's throwing mm-hmm. in some hot tea. You know what? You can actually, <laughs> actually do it in some coffee too. I'm not a punk because we were just saying how Alex and I have become more discerning in our yep. taste about bourbon and Definitely. we're becoming bourbon fans like I was not drinking bourbon before this. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, medicinally mm-hmm. through my grandparents um, who are Southern. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Vaughn has made me a, f- a fan. Yep. And, like, and like I said, the, with the taste. And old fashions are my gateway drug, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they're, it's an amazing it's an amazing beverage. For me, throw a little honey and call it a day and yeah. I'm all in. Yeah, and just, just to note, it's just it's, it's that woody texture yeah. and the taste is, is, is spicy. It's got spicy. a little smoke flavor it's to it. It's got a little it. sweet sometimes. Nutmeg. Yeah. And then in the notes of it, you have that vanilla bean, you have the oh, sweet fruit. That. And a little bit of mint. These are all my favorites. Yeah, so that's why that's why you like it. That's why I like it so much. And and, and this drink delivers. It has that copper color. Oh yeah, it's really because be- I like a darker. Yeah, it's bourbon. it's beautifully. Uh, yum, it's a yum, beautiful yum, copper yum, color. Yum. We're gonna put it out for sure. I'll, I'll post some stuff on online so you can see it, and also a, re- a recipe for their version of an old fashioned. But yeah. uh, once again, I highly recommend the drink and. Uh, it's, it's really nice. I didn't know it had all those notes in it. That's yeah, why I like it so much because I'm a big wonderful. chai fan. So like nutmeg yeah, and spice spicy. and vanilla mm-hmm. yeah. is spicy. right up my alley. Yeah. So it's just like I'm not Try really surprised. Try a little bit in your chai tea. I will. It'll change your life. And at I have work. a recipe for no, coffee. No, I'm just kidding. Too. Not at work. <laughs> I have a recipe for coffee too. You'll love I mean, it. I'm working on the coffee, but I'll definitely try it. As long okay. as it's not like hickory. No, we don't do I can't do the hickory. We don't have that time. We don't have well, look, hickory. We could go on about this for a long time, but we yes. got to talk about Alita. Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about. So let's start with. Let's Alita. talk about Alita Battle Angel. Battle Angel. Uh, let's see, Alita, a deactivated female cyborg, is revived, but cannot remember anything of her past life, and goes on a quest to find out who she is. Sorry, just a little staggered. I'm not well. <laughs> anyway, um, directed by. Craigd. I could be Elijah Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, written by uh, James Cameron. Um, starring Rosa Salazar, Christoph, Christoph Waltz, and mm-hmm. Jennifer Conley. And not to be forgotten, Mahershala Ali. Yes. Um, let's see. What did I think? I was against this movie from the very jump because yeah. I hold a grudge against James Cameron for uh, uh, Avatar. But you get better get ready for the next five of them. I'm not watching them. Um, <laughs> only if I have to do it for the show. But other than that, I'm not watching them. Mm-hmm. I fought this tooth and nail. You did? I absolutely did. I think I heard Alex Phelan a little bit about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was crunk for this film. But eventually, in between all his trips, right. I was quite bored at the box office. And so one day I just submitted. And it was surprisingly better than I thought. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the story. It was a little bit of a ride. I am not a big anime sort of uh, Japanese sci-fi, mm. all of that. That's not really within my wheelhouse. I can appreciate it if it comes with a good story, um, but I've never really like gravitated towards it. So this was a new in- new environment for me, but I did really like it. What do you think, Vaughn? I enjoyed it too, and I actually saw it with Alex. Yeah, and. Uh, 
because it seems like I see a lot of movies with you, Alex. But you're um, it's just <laughs> it was. Um, well, he, he doesn't mind making the trek to Cinepolis and hanging yeah, hang with we you went, on Twenty Third oh Street. Twenty Third Street. I don't mind a, it either. The movie, the movie was good. I think that um, what I enjoyed about it was, you know, there was a lot of heart mm-hmm. in it, and I think that the actress she she pulled it off. She brought something that could be very technical and very um, sterile, she brought some heart to it. Because right. you kind of felt the relationship between her and Kristoff. You did. And and I and I like that. And then her and in in the in the male lead, um, the love interest. The love interest. The love interest. I, 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 I like that and I I like just kind of how it could have been it just His there was some there was some heart Hugo, in by the way. Yeah, Hugo. There was some heart in all of the animation and all of the computer generated work there because it was it has to be hard for actors to work in a space where there's nothing really around them right you know what i mean but i thought that they brought some energy to all the action that was happening because it was it was high energy like you said right and it was a thrill ride and i didn't know i didn't expect the thrill ride i just kind of thought you know there would be some battle scenes and whatever some fights or whatever Mm -hmm. but it it was actually thrilling and i love the the roller the roller um the rollerball kind of action that was going on. Yeah, that was uh, that was really powerful. To that me. was it interesting. Was like, wow, this is really exciting, and it just you didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought it was really interesting. They had way more actors in it than I thought too. Like yeah. Jeff Fahey was yeah. the dog guy. Yeah, it's like the dog bounty killer or whatever. It was surprising to see him. Mm-hmm. They had Ed Ed Skeen screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could be saying this. He's name from well. Game of Thrones. He's right? from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, Jackie Early Haley, who's been in a number of films, um, uh, like Watchmen, Little Children. He was the new Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street. Right, and the and the black guy that was from um, Love Simon. Uh, is that Jorge? It. He was the, he was the troublemaker friend. Yeah, Jorge. Yes. Um, his name is Jorge Lendiborg Jr. Okay. He played Tanji? Yeah, he it was good to see cuz like I said he's he's becoming more popular in more of these different kind of roles. And it, like I said it was it was good to see this energy in this kind of film cuz I I totally didn't expect it. And and I'm glad that Alex introduced me to it cuz it would have been something I just would have never Yeah, I would have missed to. it. Mm. I would have missed and, it. And I saw it in 2D. We mm-hmm. didn't see it in 3D and all of that, but I've I've heard from from fans and and people that have seen it to to really see it in 3D was where you get all of the right. Well, I saw it in um, AMC's Adobe Cinema, mm-hmm. where the get seats the reverberate. That's cool. And so the sound is like 4K. The vision's like 4K. It's like Richard Deeper um, blacks, that almost nice. like full array. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, uh, those that's a really good experience. I prefer that over Prime, 3D, IMAX. I mean, I, it's a total immersement. Right. right. So something I wanted to bring up was just if if you know nothing about this mm-hmm. film and where it comes from. So it is a manga that comes from the early 90s, <coughs> uh, Japanese anime. And I know they've been trying to do it for years. Yeah. Uh, this this is sort of a, I don't I don't I didn't realize that James Cameron was kind of interested in 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 anime and, and manga, but um, I've been really into anime and manga uh, since I was kind of in my early teens. Right. Um, a lot of kids I went to school with 
uh, a lot of kids from Hong Kong were in my in my grade. And so they would get a lot of the original Japanese manga, which you just couldn't buy in stores, like graphic novels in stores in New Zealand at the time. But these kids would always bring this stuff, and I just became like obsessed with it and absolutely loved it. I'd never seen anything like that. I was used to kind of American TV shows. Right. And then, and then uh, Dragon Ball Z was coming out um, or was being played on TV after school at the time. And then these kids at school were always bringing this stuff along. Um, and so I remember one of them had a battle angel uh manga but it was called gunmu so that gunmu means like gun dream okay uh and that's the original name of it um and this was from there's actually nine volumes of this manga uh, or graphic novel created from 1990 to 1995 and what this film tried that kind of did was take storylines and plot lines from almost six to seven volumes of this manga and compress them into one film wow um and so there's so much i mean we could spend hours just talking about each one um but i think what's important is that the a lot of the the background and the history why why mars and earth why the, you know why these two factions were, were at war why the why the world was the sort of post-apocalyptic thing where people live every you know there's like one human city left right um right. and there's sort of the sky city it's very oblivion remember the right. that, that right. film with matt damon yeah, right definitely. it's like very, it oblivion. very oblivion it's like all the regular people oh no, no not oblivion oblivion's the uh tom cruise one. Oh uh, yeah that is elysium elysium, elysium. Mm -hmm. yeah um you know you've got like some like elysium. yeah you've got basically the hudson yards of space yeah right Right. If you're in New York, you know what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah, it oh, just yes. opened. Yeah, it's gentrifiers for the gentrifiers. It was Absolutely. amazing. <laughs> I, I was there last week. Yeah, so exactly. Amazing. Yeah. So Vaughn was a part of that. Uh, <laughs> and then and then regular people live in the scrap heap below, right? Um, so the film was trying to take a lot of these concepts and just sort of blast through them and try and give you as teach you as much about the world, as much about the sport they play the rollerball or rocket ball or something where I can't, can't remember, but, mm -hmm. um, but they ripped through a lot of concepts. So if you, you can go back and do a much deeper dive. Um, I'm fairly sure that they've updated the, the manga for the release of this film. Cool. Um, so, you know, if you love, if you love the ideas, but the, the, cre the original creator's name was, uh, Yukito Kishiro. And it was actually originally published in a publication called, uh, Shueisha's Business Jump Magazine. Wow. So what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> um, but these are like these sort of weird offbeat. It's called creating content, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is the thing is like these for anime creators back in the day, there would be these random, random publications. Um, and that, that was one of the funniest things that I found in Japan was, I mean, the, the use of English is very liberally done massively incorrectly i mean i took hundreds of pictures of pretty hilarious signs that just didn't make any sense and you wonder like who did the google translate on this shit um but there's so many of these random little publications that uh, anime creators and this would be like one or two people creating these and they just want to get them out there so they'll find regular um publishers that would put out magazines on a weekly or monthly basis and they just want to get their manga in there and see how people react right um so, you know, that's kind of the humble beginnings of this particular anime. And it's just amazing to see it come to the big screen mm -hmm. um, with such a such a heavy cast and, and such a heavy kind of producer-director team. So I, I thought it was really, really cool. The, the end definitely left me kind of being like, oh, you're really setting up the second one that of obviously, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the politics, the politics of it, 
um, what they're trying to go with it, kind of the the sort of futuristic dystopic space drama. Reminds me a lot of The Expanse, which is a, a yeah. sci-fi show that Amazon picked back yeah. up. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of The Expanse and just the politics of kind of the post-space colonial era, which will come in the next 100 to 200 years for us once will we start it, colonizing. Uh, will we, oh, will definitely. Are you kidding me? Dude, they're halfway to Mars. Come on. Yeah, I think so. Come on. Come on. The, these are all these things where like Mars gets, co- you know, there's essentially a second human colony in space and then tensions escalate. These two societies divide and then they end up going to war with each other, right? So anyway, um, but yeah, I love the film for, for everything that it covered and how one of the funniest <coughs> things was when they're walking around the world itself, the amount of people who are wearing Hawaiian shirts and cargo shorts, like, <laughs> you, like once I've now that I've said that, if you go and rewatch it, you'll be like, "What the actual fuck?" But if you ever play Japanese video games mm-hmm. or you look at Japanese manga, like uh, Samurai Champloo, which obviously is set back in the day, but I'd say Cowboy Bebop is probably a better reference. Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is one of my favorite fucking animes of all wow. time. It's amazing. It's a very similar. It's like there's colonies on space. It's like you have a space drama. It's, it's like a space drama with these bounty hunters. Um, cowboys are bounty hunters. Bebop's just like I don't know what cowboys get up to, you know. Um, and yeah, it's basically about a about a ragtag bunch of bounty hunters like jumping from Earth to Mars to all these other country, all these other like planets around the solar system, mm-hmm. and running into these societies. It's like humanity is basically the the creators took new york from the 90s and 2000s and just put that in other planets right and so for the film it was a series but for the film cowboy bebop it literally just like it's all these animated moments of just people kind of bopping around the city and doing things Mm -hmm. and it was the director of that film went around new york filming people and then just animated them for the opening sequence of the show and the whole the whole film is like set in mars <laughs> or the Mar- martian colony which they've just made to look like new york so you see this intersection of japanese culture right with future japanese futurism with um like american urban grittiness and american jazz culture and that permeates through so much of of like of Japanese art and modern art, postmodern art culture, and especially in, in manga and anime. And wow. you'll see elements of that in this film. Um, but there's just these weird things like there'll be random like characters that you can't interact with that'll just dress in Hawaiian shirts and cargo shorts. And because that's such a trope in Japanese video games right. for like characters that just like characters that fill a scene. Right. I love that the that Rodriguez and Cameron decided to do that again to actually do that for this film. Right. Because you're like, why the fuck are people dressed like that in this place? Yeah. But that's that's a trope from manga comics. Huh. Anyway. You know, it's interesting. Cameron's been trying to do this movie. He was going to do this movie before he was going to do Avatar. <laughs> he should have. Oh, I didn't know that. He's been trying to do this movie for years. And then the Avatar thing happened. Yeah. And he, st- he moved into that. But it was just like, he's he's always had his hand in it. But he couldn't. he wasn't able to finish it. But he still gets screen credits in in screenwriting credits. But Rodriguez was the one who mm. brought it to life. Uh, now, what big. else did what else did Rodriguez do? What, what? what was his last film? Oh, uh, I'd have to look that up. Rodriguez but, has been working. I mean, he's, with he's, Tarantino. 
He's been doing a lot of work with Tarantino well, lately. They do like they've done all the classics like Dust to Dawn and that's all the those. Dust to Dawn. That's and, right. Um, right, right, right. He's um, done a lot of um, the one with he, Rose McGowan, Terra, Terra something. Yeah, it was that that last. He he's done so many uh, things. The last Spy horror Kids, movie. Sin City, all those things. But the last horror movie the with last Tarantino, thing he did, El Mariachi, Planet well, Terra. Yeah, Sin, City, Sin City, Sin City, that's what it's City. He's been but he's in, in mach- that area. Uh, he's got Machete is yes, another trope of his. But he's got one that Machete kills in space. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, which is they don't even late. They're in production. We have to find that when that <laughs> happens. I have to see that because uh, I love Machete. Says he, f- Vaz flees to outer space after attempting to start a nuclear I war have on to Earth. See that. And there is only one man. Who the president can trust? Oh, to he take did Grindhouse, Death yes, Proof, it's all of that. Yeah, he's, those yeah, are no, did, those yeah. are all Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, too. he did all of those Tarantino films because yeah. that's that's his thing. And yeah. So it it was interesting to see him move into another genre, so to speak. Well, he bounces in and out because he does a lot of Asian too. Because he did, yeah. he's doing something called A Hundred Years, the movie you will never see, and John Malkovich is writing it. So that's wow. an Asian themed, and Red Two. He did Red Two. Oh no, he did that terrible Predators movie. Oh god. I rather like Predator. Predator Predators, Predators? from two thousand and ten. Oh no. Not that one. Yeah, not that one. <laughs> it's the one with Adrian Brody, dude. No, no, yes. no. That's not the Lawrence one. Lawrence Fishburne and Dope. Yeah, no, that was definitely not that one. It was, it was that bizarre. One. It was bizarre. I saw it too. But he's also been um intricate in the From Dust to Dawn T V series. Absolutely. As well. And which yeah. was which was fantastic. Right, right. And I, I give him credit for that. They they, they created a fantastic. But he's all over series. the place. He does music videos. He does all these variety of genres. Because he's trying to work in Hollywood. Well, I mean, and he does what he did. He's, he he was the whole Spy Kids. And I know. Isn't it all that he did Spy Kids? It, yeah, I think so. But it, it seems like he expands. Yeah, he's he's trying to create some stuff. And, and, and I'm not mad at him for he's that. He's like um, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, he's. I'm not know? mad at him. You got always producer on Spy in. Kids, though, not director. Um, no, he's director on four. He was what? director on the last one, Spy Kids four, and uh, let's see. I didn't even Probably know a few others. A Spy Kids four. I, I had no idea. Did. My I'm, look, I'm looking at his IMDb. I'm looking. Too. I'm on IMDb, and it says which one? Under 4D, director. All the times his producer. No, this says director. You know I'm shit. under his director link. No. I don't know, boo. No. It says you four. have some shit. Four D. <laughs> All the time in the world. So if you want to, you guys want to <laughs> fight about it, let's let's get back to the film. Yep. You know the one thing that annoyed me in the movie? What? The assistant to Kristoff, the black, the black woman, she never said one word. No, she, she said she had a bunch she of said. Where was her dialogue? She had dialogue when it, when it uh, dealt with the girl. There was... Help me. I mean, there was no intricate dialogue but she had things to say what did she say i don't remember no, i don't fucking remember I, no one does she's a secondary character. i mean she's just, a secondary she character. was just like there she would hand him a tool and then he would he would look at her she would smile well they paid for her are I'm you like, upset because you're saying that she was a diversity check is that what you're trying i don't to get know at? what her role i don't was. think so i kept trying to understand. i didn't think that because she was I know also that's what you're getting at she was also an, an injured party because she had a, a everybody a, in that damn film was had a had a prosthetic Fine. Yeah. And happy, shout out to all the amputees out here in prosthetic wearers. Because that's where it was Shout at. out to y'all. Because right. there was a whole lot of that in the movie. And mm-hmm. I'm glad to see that because you don't really see that in this in Hollywood, in the movie making world. 
I was happy to see that part. Absolutely. I just did not hear her say a word. And now I might have missed that because I missed like 10 minutes of the film, Alex. Uh, mm-hmm. But Yeah, you missed that. That was She said a bunch in the beginning. I don't know what she could have said. When they put her on the table. Oh, when they were putting her on the table. Okay, yeah. so, so that and was her whole dialogue. She said some stuff about her when she woke up. Yeah, I and saw then that when part. he named her, okay. she realized something. Before so that was he her did. dialogue. Okay. That was her dialogue. So the rest of the time when she was just smiling and handing him a tool, it was okay. I got it. Yeah, I guess. I got it. She was secondary. Didn't bother me much. I got it. I just didn't know what, what bothered her role me. Was. Uh, it didn't. It didn't necessarily bother me. I thought that the love story was a bit drawn out sometimes. Yeah. And then I like I didn't need to see. I mean, I guess it was intricate for Hugo's character to be. To run to what well, that was the, the only reason what, Hugo would be there. But what was the reason why? I mean, what was the name of the place that he was running to? That heaven in the sky. Oh, the big Hudson city. Yards. No, yeah, it was Hudson fucking Earth. Hudson Yards. Well, what, is, what is it actually called? <laughs> it's fucking Hudson Yards. It was Hudson Yards. But anyway, try, on, he was like out. running to it, and there was this whole dialogue with them. And that was cute. But that and, was. And then in his there's progression, there's always the romance of it. Right, there was the romance, and then his progression sort of stalled out. With his last transition in the film, mm-hmm. right before he tries to run to Elysium, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah, I'm gonna find it. Um, which, oh my god, did I forget? What's his face was in it too? Oh, they they don't even have him like prominently. So featured. it's called Zalem. It's yeah, the Zalem. City, the Sky City. It was the other guy that was in it? Oh god, so many things. Rick Hume. Oh, he's a big fucking actor, and he's not, not here. too big. He was the guy in. Tell me the place again. Elysium. No, it's not Elysium. Wherever, whatever it was, the big sky Oz. city. Zalem. Zalem. Whoever Zalem. was in charge of Zalem mm-hmm. was was a big. That actor was Ed well. Norton. Ed Norton. Thank you. Yeah. Well, he so, was in makeup. His makeup, and you, right. you really you wouldn't until, recognize until him. until he pulled off his glasses. Then you realized who he was. Yeah, they didn't really, you didn't, it was almost like he did a favor to Rodriguez uh, and know. showed up. Maybe. But, but he was in a lot of it. He was in quite a few scenes, actually. Yeah, he was in but quite a few scenes. he was always just kind of a ghostly character. Well, he's the antagonist, so we, yeah. we don't know. Right, he wasn't fully revealed until the end. He's creating a, this whole thing was because of him. I like I like Connolly's role in this. Uh, yeah, Mahershala was interesting too. I, I'm, Sharon, it was good to see that you know Fector. that was very interesting. But and I like the bad guy who was also in um, Atomic Blonde. I believe he was in. Who was the bad guy? The bad guy who got his face cut off. Ed Sheeran. Whatever his name is. Yeah. He was Zapin. Yes. Zapon. He was he was like the top hunter. Yeah. Hunter he was the top killer hunter. That, killer. that part I I like the hunter killer part of the story. Yeah. That was very interesting to me. Hunter well, Warrior, sorry. Yeah, yeah Hunter, hunter Warrior. Warrior. Hunter I mean Warrior. they pull they pulled from a lot of different directions, but it all still seemed to be concise. Yeah. So that was interesting. But overall, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Give mm-hmm. it a shot. Um, it's still playing every fucking where because yeah, it was making it. a trillion dollars before Captain Marvel came along. Absolutely. So I'm sure it's playing at your local yeah. Cineplex. Domestic, not amazing. Only 80 million domestic, but 307 million worldwide. Global. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm sure all the Asian the Asian yes. markets, markets just gobbled it up. Yeah, gobbling it up, up and will continue to. Asia, Russia, they're all going to eat that up. Yeah. For sure. I, New and Zealand. like I said, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, and I, New and Zealand's I'm, 50. Grand. And I'm glad we actually, you know, we got to see it in this way. And she's a powerful woman. 
you know, and and she was really about good, even though she had to do what she had to do. Yeah. But she was about doing the right thing, and, and it was good to see that. So I enjoyed the movie, mm-hmm. and I wasn't too distracted by all of the CG work. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think it was very interesting, and I love the, action the fights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The action, action scenes, scenes were really good. All right, so uh, give me a rating. Final thought. Go see it. I don't have a rating. I'm going to give you. It was better than I thought it would be. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible. Because I was expecting horrible because of Avatar. I don't expect much from him anymore. And mm. I really used to revere him. I liked him. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know. Movies white no, people no, like. No accounting for teeth. Movies oh. white people <laughs> like. I feel very persecuted. I, a little bit. You should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say, okay, if I have to give out it a five. rating out of five, Three and a half to four. Fucking three and a half again. Jesus. Three and a half to four. Oh, oh, oh. Three and a half to four. So three point seven five. Edging the four. What yeah. are you an Uber rating? I'm what a three. Doing? I'm a three point. I'm gonna give it about a three point nine. Fuck it. I'll give it a full four. It was entertaining, and and it was pretty to look at, and it was believable. I'm gonna give it a type four. Four yeah, stars. I'll give me. it a four. It was on the higher end. I really enjoyed it. It was on the higher end. Yeah. I'm gonna give it. A three and a half. All right. Mm. Well, it's a little strong rating from... Live, live where you live. From the Haterade Brewery <laughs> himself. I'm going to give it a, a three and a half because, one, I didn't think we needed the love story piece of it. But yeah. it always got to be. It was vehicle. distracting, but they just threw it in there just to throw it in there. Um, well, I mean, Hugo ha- seemed to have a little bit of a of a substantial piece. Yes, he did, but I don't but think it was fleshed out enough because they were know. too busy trying to do all these other things. Yeah, yeah. they were trying what, to do a lot. What I thought was more interesting—his character was too complex. Right, but what I thought was more interesting was the 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 bad guy, the man up in the sky, mm. the yeah. god figure, which I think they were just alluding to because I think he will be fleshed out. Yeah, more that's in the, in the next movie. Yeah. Let's see. I'm tired of Hollywood making movies. To build you to the next movie, and yeah. this is where this movie flawed. It is but, where it flawed for but sure. But I think that it has great potential. I can see more movies being made from this from this genre, absolutely, and, and from this character. I definitely feel like it happen. But so I, I would definitely apparently recommend it's it. a trilogy. Apparently, oh, sure. that is a trilogy. Um, it, I have no doubt. It certainly feels because like it's one. kind of like the coming of age, right? The fight. It's a journey, and then yeah. the like. Ascension in the finale. Yeah, yeah. I totally felt that as I was watching it. I felt like it, this was this was the beginning. Is like the origin story for the rest of it. Of course, yeah. that's why I re- there were some things that you could see were obviously being held back from being flushed out. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so they they just left it to be explored in later. But I time. need Hollywood to stop thinking we're so fucking stupid that we can't follow a story. Well, we are give stupid. us give us. Well, <laughs> yeah, we are. Not sorry. all of us, but the general public sometimes needs to be led. And so because they don't give them the option to take it upon themselves to figure it out, it is the it's the craft art house movie crew yeah. that they leave all the brains to. And so they figure this is um commodifiable? No, that's not a word. You can, uh, multiple genres, multiple people, multiple ages can 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 understand this okay so that's why they make it so dumbed down sometimes i just need a little bit more but i got it i understand i got it we have to suspend our disbelief sometimes i got it good film go see it go see it check it out Uh, it's a fun ride so let's um greta let's start with greta i love greta hey greta directed by neil jordan uh written by ray wright and neil jordan uh we're familiar with neil jordan right crying game and all his other films yes um and so 
we're going to say Greta is a, a bit of a powerhouse film in terms of like their cast. Yeah, so it true. was Isabel Humpert. I could be saying it right. Hubert? Hubert. Hubert. You could be saying it wrong. Hubert. Hubert. My apologies. I get mm-hmm. better at that. Chloe Grace Moretz. Yes. Um, let her, the right one her in. Her friend. Yeah, let the right one in. And she's done a bunch of other stuff. That's so many. Um, her best friend was uh, Micah Monroe. Uh, there were several other people in it. Uh, not really big. Her father was uh, was a well-known actor. Colin yeah, Fior. Yeah, he's been around um, a lot. I don't like that he's shrinking. Maybe a lot he's of TV sick. and stuff. Um, and of course, we all know Jay. Yes. From the Crying Game. Great to see Jay. Whose name is Zawi Aston. It's not Jay. Oh, she changed her name. She changed her name, I think. Zawi Aston. Okay. Was she originally Jay? Are we sure about that? She used to be Jay. Maybe she was. I don't know. Doesn't anyway. Say, doesn't say it on here. But she was in a lot of other stuff like uh, Nocturnal Animals and uh, Gorilla Blitz. Velvet Buzzsaw, which is that new movie on Netflix that yeah. I need to check out. Um, and and Stephen good. Ray, of course. So we, we got some classics coming back. Mm-hmm. So Greta is about a young woman who befriends a lonely widow who's harboring a dark and deadly agenda toward her. So what I thought about Greta A little umbrella thing I liked it Um, I'm going to give it about a 90 Um, I wasn't You you went from 1 to 5 to 90 No I mean We'll we'll deal with that later But in terms of like Rotten Tomatoes Give me the Rotten Tomatoes Right the Rotten Tomatoes is what I I really liked about it was I liked everything but the ending. I thought the ending was very unrealistic, but I thought it it, it led you down a, a good path. Uh, it was spooky. It was dramatic. It was obviously shot by by a true genius because Neil Jordan had some really good yeah, hits in amazing it. Amazing shots. Amazing shots. Amazing framing. Um, I really liked it. Uh, I just didn't like the ending. What'd you think, Juan? Well, me, I too, I, I like the shots. I like how it was... It was framed in the story. I um I had issue with the fact well it's because I live in New York like mm, you do yes but they tried to show New York elements that obviously were not New York obviously so not I kept getting distracted by that, that. Did distract me but the story itself was beautiful he captured some some beautiful shots and elements like those those lights in the elevator mm-hmm. and all those kind of elements. He, it, it made you feel very uneasy and how the camera was following her around. Right. So you felt like you didn't know what was going to happen next. Cause you were, you were in the scene with her, mm-hmm. the main character. Uh, right. What was her name? Chloe? Uh, no, that's the actress's name. What's her name? The main character's name was, I'm sorry. Unprepared, Francis McCullen. Yes, as Francis, you f- you felt like you were with her. So every time something would happen to her, it would happen to us as the viewer. Oh yeah, because it, it was that P P uh, P B Pennebaker. Right, and it, it was very POV, and it was just it was very interesting in that way because you felt uneasy the whole time because you didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah, and you felt like there was something else at play, even when it was a lighthearted moment in in. And everything was working out fine, and right. it looked like it was supposed to be a certain way. Yeah. And then something would happen to reveal mm-hmm. something else behind the scenes. And I love that about it. I love the lead actress, the older lady. She was amazing. Yeah. She brought the Isabel. texture to the film. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know of any American actress that could have done this mm, other than Glenn Close. Glenn Close could have brought this. Glenn Close could have. There was something special about how creepy this woman was in a, in a very subtle way. Yeah, she's a French actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. Um, things that we would know is the piano teacher. Elle yes. was like probably the most recent um, things to come. And that's probably why, like the Romanoffs, and that's probably why we, we, we recognize her, but we don't necessarily know her. We recognize her face very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a few things to say about Greta. I thought I like the story a lot. I just think that there are, there were moments at the end that were very unbelievable, but you just go along to get along. And I think much like the crying game, it had a lot of re- real really interesting perspectives in terms of um, its cinematography, its style. Uh, there's really like it had some really sweeping cinematography shots. You know, the dolly, the steady cam shots, the depth of field is great. You know, like i.e. the subway station shots the close-ups of the 3d glasses and the reflection Mm -hmm. um a lot of composition a lot of framing as in the elevator the staircase um as her father uh climbs up the staircase um it just reminded me a lot of black swan in a lot of ways oh yeah sure i thought the music was really well placed i mean it definitely it definitely had um, tonal structure, added mood to the film. Um, even like they played a song, Where Are You Now, which was really interesting and sort of act as a, like a bit of a conscious piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of plays out as Greta searches for um, for new company. Yes. So it plays like this sort of double consciousness, right, of people sort of searching for her and, and whatnot. The part that... Freak me out though, is there was some sort of weird, creepy love theme throughout. There was a weird way that Greta spoke to Francis that made me feel like this was more than just a necessary need for a company. Because it was as if it seemed as if at times that they were dating, like people breaking up. Yeah. And yeah, sure. and she took it too literal. It was almost like you would be upset like you like she broke her heart. In right. terms of just leaving her as a friend. Well, it felt more like a relationship. It felt and more not like a relationship. A, f- a friend to friend relationship. Right. But a friend to a lover. But only felt that way in regards to Greta. Francis did not have that affection. And so it was just very weird in how, how it played. And I, it was deliberate because I also felt that way a little bit about the friend sometimes. But I felt like they were sort of at times both seeking something from one another. So maybe maybe Francis had a little bit of it too. Um, but one had a hidden agenda, of course. Um, but the, Greta was doing a lot of touching, a lot of brushing her hair out of her face, a lot of pet names that really just kind of creeped me in a way. And there were moments where she caused scenes and the scenes were so dramatic. I was like, but are you fucking on? Because <laughs> this really seems a little too personal um it's not like okay we're friends and we're like okay i can't fuck with you no more because you know i I don't like i don't like the way you move and i don't like what's happening here with us and then it wasn't like a friend's breakup it wasn't a friend's breakup it was definitely emotional and i felt that way about the the greta and her not greta i'm sorry francis and her friend um her roommate her roommate 
who was also helping her out a bit. Uh, Erica. Yes. Um, but then I could I could disbelieve that and just sort of chalk it off as like really feminine friends who like really yes. just kind of do that, but not with a really older woman that could be your grandma or your mom and you. Well, it was well, you got to remember. Frances was grieving the death of her mother. Frances is so she was kind of looking for a mother figure in her life, and Greta filled that need. Yeah, but but the need that Frances filled for Greta was greater than the need that um, the need that Frances filled for Greta was greater than the need that uh, Greta was filling for Frances. I mean, she really just wanted to help her and kind of just have like this motherly air about her mm-hmm. and you know there were just moments like i don't want to i don't want to give away too too much but there were moments where there were obviously arguments or or a separation and when ever they would ever like speak again it was almost like a couple like forgive me i said this this that and that and i didn't mean it i was just kind of nervous so it was just it it was just but, odd in that but, way to to there are times when friends like there are different levels of friendship. Yes. But not like so, this. But, but wait in a minute. Such a but there are some time. friendships where some people have more control in a friendship than than other people. Right. And there's some people that don't allow you to have other friends. Cause, yes. Cuz Greta true. was very domineering in the That's friendship. True. That's true. And she didn't want anybody else to be there but right, her. Right. That is very true. So I think there was a lot of that at play too, but there was also the that undercover. It was almost like Greta was in love with this person. Yeah. But she picked, she picked victims to be this way. Yeah. She found them. She she laid traps for them, and she kind of created this world for herself. Right. I mean, this was a totally Neil Jordan film. Like, if you've oh, ever sure. seen Neil Jordan, though, he looks like this burly Irish guy who would not have these sensibilities for women. So when you talk about movies that he's directed, like The Crying Game, even Interview with a Vampire took on a very feminine yeah. take. And like Michael well, Collins might have been feminine. It I took on a more was, sensible. I think it was no. I don't know if it was sensible. Why do you think sensible and feminine go together? Mm, because I do. Cause that's because you're a woman, and women seem to think that men have no emotion and no. No, I don't believe that men don't have emotion. Quality. I just mean that the actual photo of Neil Jordan always seems like this burly, um, taken guy. What's his name? Can't think of it right now. Liam Neeson. Thank you. He has this very Liam Neeson look about him. Mm. This very older Irish gentleman. Um, who's very but stalwart? Once and again, stern. you can't judge a book by its I'm cover. I can't judge a book by its cover. I'm just saying he has an ability to speak for women. He did films like In Dreams, The End of the Affair, like you know, The Good Thief, The Brave One. It's just like he he has a sensibility for telling women's stories in a way that's not a woman's story. Mm. This is just what I mean. So so. Can only women tell women's stories? No, women can't be the only one to tell women's stories, but it is a pleasure to see when a man can tell a story from a woman's point of view, as is it as it is when a woman can do an action film yes. like like Wonder Woman. Right. And and the like. Got it. I just mean it's nice to see the flip because Neil Jordan always presents the flip. Okay. That's all I meant. 
I'll give but you that. I really did like it. I actually saw it twice. Mm. So I like I saw it with friends of mine from work, and then I saw it with Vaughn because he's a punk, and I felt he needed care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm the horror fan of the three of us. Um, and Alex was too chicken shit to sit with me. Yeah. And what? so I always lead these two. That's the fucking flu, bitch. I li- Whatever. Uh, yeah, that too. Whatever. I always lead these two down the line of horror. So, But it um, really didn't feel like a horror film. It wasn't a horror. It was more of a thriller. It was advertised, though, as yeah. a horror. But well, they were trying to sell it to horror fans. They were trying to sell it to horror fans. But it really turned out to be a bit of a thriller, which I feel like a lot of his films are. Yeah. But um, it was not a horror film at all. Um, but I think it's good. And I think that I'm going to give it out of five. I'm going to give this one a four, too. Just didn't oh, like the nice. ending. Um, I just I just thought the ending was believable and turned me into, like, some stereotypical black girl screaming at the screen. Like, what the fuck? Actually, Vaughn stopped me from yelling at the yeah, screen twice. <laughs> but... Um, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Go see it. Nice. It's playing at AMC, so you know it's probably playing in a lot of places. Um, so check it out. Yeah, it was definitely worth seeing. It. I, I'm, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a four too. Yeah, really, it was enjoyable. More, so you liked it more than Alita. You I, got well, the hard on for Alita. Well, I like <laughs> no, this I'm just, kind I'm just of checking. Yeah. I like this kind of movie more now. Like, I like yeah, a thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, like I like a thriller. Over. I'm not, I'm not into comedies. I'm very much over superheroes, but I'm dealing with it. I know. And and we all are. But I love a th- good thriller. Right. And I felt like this was the thriller. Uh, Even yeah. though they sold it to me as a horror. They did it was, sell it. It was actually a thriller. I mean, because if you want to say horror, The Prodigy, which I don't think is in theaters mm. anymore, but is so stunningly frightening it will blow the both of you out of the water because I right. was covering my eyes. Right. And I'm a hardcore. Yeah, you are. I fuck with it. So fuck with it at home on like Voodoo or something because I'm sure it's somewhere. But um, I really enjoyed it. So check it awesome. out, folks. Awesome. And so we'd like to say thank you so much for listening, film fans. If you like this episode, be sure to like, share, and follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, SoundCloud. And don't forget to use the hashtag BBM Podcast. That's BBM Podcast. And make sure you tune in next time for episode 40 when we're going to review Climax and Us. Yeah, I'm ready. Nice. Get and ready. Talk about horror. Spring has sprung. Yes, everybody. it is. Yeah, for the most part. Which means we are a hop skipping a jump to summer and I th- you know bbm is going to do some exciting stuff yes this, uh, we are warm season we're making so plans keep, a, keep an eye keep an ear out keep an ear out keep it locked yep. don't forget it's thank you so much for hanging out and listening this welcome is back, alex. yeah welcome back thank alex you. maybe <laughs> maybe vaughn won't chew sun chips either while know, we're recording I'm gonna choose even though he bitched about us pouring bourbons and beers oh you mean the theme of the fucking right show. the theme of the show but chewing chum chips sun chips sun chips, sun sun chips. chips. i had a lot of bourbon <laughs> anyway thank you so much Chapter this is 39. beer bourbon and a movie, and a movie.